Coming up on today's show, we've got a recap of the Mass Effect Legendary Edition news. Google Stadia is kicking the bricks, and the Jovenshire is here. Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. And Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And special guest, the Jovenshire is here. Shalom. Yeah. Oh, I love that you joined Yay. right in. Uh, Joshua, it's so good to see you and to have you on the show. For everybody who doesn't know, we were trying to figure out what what Joven's title was. It's like, is it a digital personality, an online content creator, a director, a producer, a writer, a showrunner, an internet meme? What well, answer is... All of those. <laughs> uh, you know, top post of Cringetopia. Yeah, that's me. Hi, I'm so glad to be here uh, uh, because, you know, it's it's a great week to be on this show with the news that we have. And plus, you know, just being able to hang out with Andrea again is amazing because it's been forever. It has been. And the irony is that we actually don't live that physically far from each other <laughs> we anymore. Don't. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're closer now. and But because that was like forever ago now. Yes, but yet you know, so far apart. The world, the world. This is, is my bubble. Is I don't believe this. <laughs> yes, what a hundred percent. We're gonna get into how Joven and I know each other and we, where we work together a little bit later on in the show. We're gonna talk about his brand new show, The Stuff of Legends, which premiered on his YouTube channel, The Jovenshire, this week. It's an amazing D and D show for all of you RPG nerds out there. But before we do that, of course, you know we like to talk about the news, and we've got a little bit of housekeeping. We've got some February Patreon producers who are supporting everything we do here at What's Good Games: Chewy's Godson, Flying Cosmo, Justin Foshi. Punctified, Ferris Atea, Muhammad Muhammad, Marcus Ian Brown, and Alex Regopoulos. Plus, welcome to our Patreon community, Casual Blasphemy, <laughs> which is <laughs> an amazing, amazing name. Uh, Morgan Ashley, Kelly Graham, Jen Jexel, Jixel, Jen Jixel, and Jonathan Negron. Welcome to patreon.com slash what's good games where you can support the show and be part of the show by submitting your questions. And you could also get the show for no advertising. That's right. No ads. With ad no free. advertising. With no advertising. <laughs> what there is you that? Go. I said with no advertising. That is correct. That is that is right, Timer. <laughs> and Brittany, it looks like we have some new podcast reviewers. We do. We have Cool Boy X five two four three YT. That's almost as crazy as that new near game. We have Tessica <laughs> Tessica fifteen, <laughs> Hutches four twenty, and Halo Cube. And thank you all so, so much for the nice, kind reviews. It makes us feel warm and fuzzy, and it helps other people find our show. So thank you. Love yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. We love those reviews on your favorite podcast app. When they're good. When they're good. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes Some of y'all are real assholes. Sometimes the bad ones assholes. make us laugh, and sometimes the bad ones make us sad. Yeah, so, sometimes yeah. my ego is too high, and I need to read negative reviews just to kind of bring me back. Oh. Down. Wow, must be nice. 
Yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. horrible. <laughs> it's a good place. It's a good place to be in. Uh, the show today is brought to you by me, Undies, and Felix Gray. But we'll talk more about them in a little bit. Let's jump into this amazing Mass Effect news. Gosh, I'm so glad you're here. I know. I'm so glad that you're here because there's such an amazing history about my journey into the Mass Effect franchise when you and I were working together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Mass Effect. Legendary Edition had a bunch of news drop earlier this week. I did a standalone video at youtube.com slash what's good games. I did a live stream. It was a little rough because Twitch was on the fritz that morning. But thank you to everybody who tuned into the live stream. I answered a bunch of questions. So I'm going to just kind of run down a couple of quick highlights for what the story is all about. If you want to get a deep dive again, I'm going to refer you to my video where I answer a bunch of questions about it but essentially they've announced the release date it's may 14th 2021 so just a couple of months away they have confirmed that it will have 4k and hdr support and it will be 60 fps on pc and specific consoles ps4 pro xbox one x and xbox series x along with playstation 5 though i do want to note PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X aren't getting a standalone version of the game. You will be playing the PS4 and the Xbox One backwards compatible version on those platforms because turns out the code was real old, everybody. <laughs> real yeah. old code. It's uh, Mass Effect came out, I think, when... I think maybe a little bit after, like, but my first job in the industry, like, I'm as old as Mass Effect. Cyber <laughs> <laughs> and Mass Effect are the same age. We are barely, yeah, like, I started at Edelman, and one of the games we were publishing was Mass Effect. That was 2006 for the first one, I think. Was it? I thought it was seven. Yeah, 2007 sounds right. Let me double check to the I was the like, Google dang, machine. I graduated high school in 2006. I, yeah, 2007. I, I, yeah, 2007. 2007. Yes. I remember buying an Xbox 360. College. And then there were like three games that I bought all the same day. And one of them was was Mass Effect. The other was the Orange Box. And uh, oh, a third title that I didn't get a lot of time in. But I was like, what's this Mass Effect? Played it for like five minutes. Didn't like it. Played every other game. Then came back to it. I was like, this is the greatest thing in the world. That's what happened to me too. I started Mass Effect and I didn't really like it at right? first. I yeah. put it down for a while. Yeah. No, so that was the opposite of me. Um, so I had like taken my gaming hiatus when I was in college. Uh, I think we played the Wii, like my roommate's Wii, and that was pretty much it. And so then when I started working at Edelman for the Xbox account, I bought an Xbox, and like they were like, "Oh, here, just take take Mass Effect because we're working on it." So like we have copies of these games. Um, and I just remember like as soon as I got to the Citadel, I was just like, "Holy shit!" This is what games are now? This is amazing. <laughs> this isn't I was like mind blown. I mean, because I, I played like, old adventure games. Like, She's the point and click girl on this crew. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a revelation for me. And it was interesting because I didn't actually ever play the original Mass Effect when it first came out because I was just getting back into video games then. I, like you, was playing a lot of Wii, but also playing a lot of Guitar Hero and Rock Band. And I wasn't playing a lot of RPGs or FPS games um, because I just was a little intimidated by those. And so my Mass Effect journey didn't actually start until Mass Effect 2 came out. And I was asked by Spike TV to be on a panel for the Game Awards, the Video Game Awards, as they were called back then. Mm. And one of the Game of the Year contenders was Mass Effect 2. And I was like, well, okay, I have to play this. And I actually rage quit uh, playing it. And I remember talking to Joven at Mahalo back in the the old, old days. The old, old days. 
Yes, and being like, I, I this game is dumb. I don't like it. And you're like, this game is amazing. No, you have to go back and play it. Well, I, I don't. I think I erased from my memory you rage quitting and not wanting to play anymore. But I do remember our our arguments because your office was right next to our bullpen and like where we were literally creating friendships on that side. Where it was like, you played Mass Effect, you like it? Yeah, we're best friends now. And then you just hear us screaming at each other about this is the greatest game ever. Yes, it was so so good and. I'm so happy that this is a real thing and they gave us a really nice deep dive. So EA and Bioware invited me to a behind closed doors virtual presentation where three members of the Bioware team spoke about the game, including the project director, Mac Walters, and they showed us a bunch of side by sides. Now, I wish I could show you guys everything they showed us, but I can't. <laughs> uh, what I can show you guys is the trailer that is currently out. So if you're interested <laughs> in watching that, watching we can that all watch that again together. Let's do um, it. Yes, we don't have to do it like a full a full walk a watch along. While while this trailer is playing, I'll go ahead and go down a couple more of these bullet points. Um, Differences across the whole trilogy include remastered character models and expanded universal character creator and the option to use Mass Effect 3's default female Shepard model throughout all three games. Ooh, there are noticeable deal. improvements mm -hmm. to Shepard's range of available skin tones, hairstyles, and makeup options for a more diverse range of possibilities. And overall, Bioware has said that there are tens of thousands of updated textures, shaders, visual effects, and lighting changes, plus a new style of depth of field. Plus, they've also talked about the engine. So this game was originally, I think all three of these games were originally built in Unreal Engine 3. Obviously, we're up to Unreal Engine 5 right now, so a little bit old. And what was interesting about listening to the team at Bioware talk about going back into this code was that they discovered that they weren't able to actually move this code up to Unreal 4 I mean, forget Unreal 5. That wasn't even in the <laughs> Not even an option. Not even an option. Um, because they had so many proprietary systems in place that they built around uh, UE3. And so there was just no way for them to move it into a different engine. And so they had, had to work with what they, what they have. But because of that, they locked narrative and quest changes. So nothing narratively or quest design has changed. And that was a big question I got when I asked you guys to write to me on Twitter was... You know, can I change some of the uh, romance options from like the first game? Like, are there some gender differences? Like, can certain characters romance other genders? And it's like, no, none of that has changed. Literally, nothing narratively has changed. They did include um, over 40 pieces of DLC. So, pretty much every All piece of, of DLC that was ever made, except for the Pinnacle DLC, mm. because the Pinnacle DLC was Borked. lost to code corruption. Really? Because that was in Mass yes. Effect 1, right? That was like one of the yes. two DLC from that one. So it originally debuted, Mass Effect debuted on the Xbox 360, and it didn't come to the PS3 until much later as a, like a semi-remaster. Not, I wouldn't even call it a remaster. They just kind of ported it, ported. really, is what it was. And it was missing that DLC on both PC and PS3 because the code got corrupted. And so that's why that one piece of DLC is missing from the remaster. Oop. But you can play it on your original Xbox 360. <laughs> yeah, so they get that out of the garage. Oh, yeah. Uh, the thing I definitely still have. <laughs> you don't have your 360 anymore? Hell no. no. I don't have any old hardware in my house. Oh. You think I have space to hold? 
I live in a studio. No, it's not quite a studio. It's bar- barely a one bedroom. I mean, you know that Brittany has like five Xbox 360s in her house. Oh, I wish sure. she. I wish you were wrong, but I'm cleaning out my garage right now. And every time I find a box of new consoles, it's not good. Yeah, you're right. I do. <laughs> help and we ha- we have a couple because it was a really big platform that john worked on for rock band and dance central um the so peripherals for the have... 360 were amazing yeah 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 i mean the 360 is one of the best consoles ever made it's it true that i really love that console but top if it four. didn't have a use for me anymore <laughs> yeah out you go it's true uh, but it was this was a really big thing for them to bring the character creation tools across all three games. I like that they not only brought all of the options from ME3 in, but they've expanded the options so you can recreate your Shepard if you want, or you can create a brand new Shepard. Uh, I know a lot of people also ask, can I bring my old save files in? And when I asked the team that, they said, we're looking into a way to make that happen, but we don't have a way at present. present. Yeah. But that you will, of course, be able to bring your saves inside the legendary edition from me to me two and right. me three yeah. otherwise it would be broken <laughs> uh, yes I, I like how they added all these different options to like really customize your character and i, I tried that once in like my 10 different playthroughs and the one time it just like looked absolutely horrible it's like i'm never creating another character in my life just give me my standard <laughs> shepherd and now they're like here's ten thousand more options i'm like nah dog just I'll take my one. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so Brittany and I spend a lot of time in character creators usually. Um, but the one thing that I always criticize, not even Bioware, literally any team that makes a character creator, I'm like, the lighting in your character creator is not the same as what's in your game. <laughs> so when point. I put on blush, blush sometimes yes. it looks totally fine <laughs> in the character creator and you get into the game and you look like you just put on 12 layers of it you're like oh no i have to restart the whole game i can't walk around like this oh yeah i've definitely restarted a mass effect playthrough because i over makeup over my blush shepherd, makeup. And I didn't, you thought you were going and for that i didn't want eye. her to look quite like she was going to the disco every night you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> even though i did spend a lot of time in afterlife so of i mean as you the, dancing little... animation I know. I'm so, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, I, um, I do like that, you know, we've waited years for this, years for this, and it's finally here, but still they don't give you everything because we don't get the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer. And I, I, for one, I enjoyed Mass Effect 3. I liked the ending. I was good with it. But where I spent the majority of my time in Mass Effect 3 was the multiplayer. Wow. And that's all I want to do with my friends again is, like, call everyone up, Play at night, get our headsets on, and just, you know, get the Krogan that that's uh, that can do the dash across the screen and just be like, this is great! <laughs> you know, My you friend. still can play Mass Effect 3 multiplayer. Like, it's still active. Is it? They never turned... Yes! they. It was interesting because Mac Walters answered that question specifically because, of course, it came up in the press Q&A session. And he said... There's still a substantial amount of people playing ME3 multiplayer more than we anticipated. Ah, I love that. If, if um, I do the game pass on Xbox like uh, Series X and I play Mass Effect 3 there, is it available? I believe so. Totally. I need to be doing that right now. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> we can't leave the show yet. Yeah, Just no, like, no. stick it out for like the next <laughs> hour. You can be the Krogan can later. You can like, start the, the download later. now. Yeah, I was about to say, have, have somebody in your house just download it right now. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Good. Um, so the reason why they didn't include Mass Effect 3's multiplayer is because when they, you know, were tinkering under the hood, looking at all of the improvements they needed to make, the amount of 
work it would require for them to get it up to speed where they were bringing the single player components of the Mass Effect franchise they said would equal the amount of work that they were putting into Mass Effect 1 which clearly needed the most amount of yeah. work because it was the oldest code. Yeah. And so if you think about the scope of the entire Mass Effect 1 single player and they would have to take equal amount of work to just do the multiplayer component of ME3 you can understand a little bit why Bioware was like, uh, yo, something had to hit the cutting room floor. <laughs> I'm going to take remaster. my time with one, two, and three again, really cherish it uh, as if I was like in my early 20s playing again. But if I just wait another year or two and then I get a standalone Mass Effect multiplayer game, I'd be okay with that too. Yeah, I mean, we know that they're working on new Mass Effect, right? Mm -hmm. What did you think of the reveal at the Game Awards? I, you know, it reminded me a lot of the uh, the reveal for Mass Effect 3, where you're like, oh, what's this? Oh, what's this? What's this? Hey, that kind of looks like, <gasps> it's this. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just jaded now because of the industry. Like, I, I don't... <laughs> I don't want to know about a game that's coming out in five years. I just, <laughs> I want to play a yeah. game. Tell me when it's a little bit closer. But it's it's the nature of the beast with video games because it takes so long. And you see that, like, you know, five years out, two years out, the, coming this summer, like, model of, of advertising a video game. So it was nice. It's great. It's cool. I, I'm glad I yeah. have this in the meantime, though. Yeah, I feel, I feel you there. I think that they were under pressure from their community and from, you know, the internet at large to answer what's happening with the mass effect franchise right same After, with i think dragon age is the same pressure uh, yeah. yeah dragon True. age has been like so hard like trickling but like here's a drop like please like we're still working on it just let yeah. us be I, I mean inquisition came out in the fall of 2014 right mm -hmm. so uh, it's been was a it? long time yeah it was if, yeah if 2020 has taught us anything about video games none of us any player or professional should ever rush any developer to get a game out faster than it actually should be ever ever yes. ever ever again exactly all right PR uh, avengers <laughs> <laughs> yes what i think is interesting about all this about unreal and an important note that they probably don't really mention a lot of is like they've had to go back through and relearn how to work with unreal here because what they've had what they've done under ea i don't know if a lot of you remember is um now they're all under oh my god frostbite frostbite, frostbite. I, was like, I just my brain just like the blew, engine it away. No, yeah the um <laughs> the from dice dice yes. is proprietary engine that ea owns that they developed for battlefield specifically they used mm -hmm. on battlefront and mass effect andromeda and then uh, a lot of the Dragon Ages were also built on in Frostbite as well. So like they they're now trying to figure out how to make Frostbite work. And then for this remaster, are going back to Unreal to try and figure <laughs> out how to get Unreal to rework with all of their old code. So like props to those engineers. I'm sure that they had some very uh, you know long nights doing this. Yeah, Probably. I'm sure it was really fun listening to. Um, the guy whose name is escaping me uh, from the environment and character team Kevin talking Teak. about how, yes, thank you, um, how he felt like the art team was actually really liberated by the sense that they there was so much of the game that was locked so that they could actually really deep dive into some of the technical fixes and really focus on like textures and lighting and cleaning things up without having to worry about you know, remaking the whole game. But if you look at some of the graphical changes that have happened to Mass Effect 1 based off what we saw, it does look really, really good. Mm -hmm. And it looks like substantially Graphically, different. Yes. Now, yeah. 
it, trying to go back and playing that game, like you really need the nostalgia goggles to enjoy Mass Effect One because of how clunky the the controls are. So I'm very excited to see because it says in the breakdown like like there's updates to the to the cover system and everything, but how smoothly will it play? Like, does it feel like a good you know 2020 shooter? Mm. I don't think it's going to. I think that that's no. something that ne- people need to manage expectations about. That and I really was hammering home when I did my stream. Is like this is a true remaster. This is not a remake. If you go in expecting something along the lines that's of Resident correct. Evil Two remake or Final Fantasy Seven remake, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Like they really tried to honor what the original trilogy was while also making it prettier and, and you know upresing a lot of the kind of pain points in the technical side of the game but they didn't like remake everything right, right. they took the existing assets so it still is gonna look like the original trilogy just nicer just yeah. nicer and you still can just be like the mako fuck walls <laughs> you know I, I saw that also they're like we fixed the mako controls i'm like am i the only one that didn't have a problem controlling the mako i was fine with it i did i had i fucking struggled with the I mako <laughs> actually i saw a video that was like mako doesn't care about your walls mako doesn't care about like anything just, and i was like oh if i treat it more like this maybe i'll have a better time and so i went back and i did and i was like oh yeah this is great but when i was trying to trying to drive it like a tank it was not fun. Yeah, it was not fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, when you embrace the floatiness, it's really <laughs> embrace a good time. the floatiness. The Mako. Yeah, I also <laughs> saw the presentation, and what I just want to say is, it was so fun to watch these folks from the Bioware team chatting about the Legendary Edition because you could just really sense the passion behind it. They describe it as essentially being a dream. This is something everyone dreams of: being able to go back and visit this thing that you made yeah. so long ago, but now you have all these lessons learned, and it's kind of like, okay, go on with your bad selves. Like, do what you think you need to do to. Make make this the best it can be with the restrictions obviously that they're not trying to remake it but just remaster it and some of the fun things that they're doing I thought is like oh that's that's very nice of you um there's a boss fight and you you folks probably remember it more than I do it's with the matriarch Ben I don't know how to say her name B-E-N-E-Z-I-A yeah Benezia apparently and I played it but I don't remember they said that was a really tough fight and it was meant to be tough but there were some issues there wasn't enough cover for example in that boss fight and so yeah, I think what, I cheesed it a little. Yeah, they said there wasn't it, enough it was cover, and they said that uh, she could immobilize you very quickly from the get-go, and if you failed, then you had quite a bit of backtracking you had to do because the autosave wasn't so great. So they're going back in that, and they're kind of fixing that a little bit, and they're adding more cover and whatnot. And I think that's so cool. It's Obviously, it's not a remake, but it sounds like they're it's... It's they're not cleaning like, it up. Yeah, they're cleaning yeah. it up. It's not like a yeah. remaster in the sense you think of like Kingdoms of Amal or Re-Reckoning, right? Where I feel like yeah. that is like just copy-paste, make it a little prettier. They're actually taking some considerable care into this, and I'm uh, really excited. So I'm just, like, even that trailer, like, I was getting emotional and getting goosebumps because, like, the music is amazing. The story is great. I'm yes. a huge oh. Star Wars fan, but I love the expanded universe of Mass Effect more than I think I do the universe for Star Wars because... It is like this more science fiction versus sci-fi fantasy that you have in Star Wars, but like the the idea of the first contact wars and like what that kind of transition made for like the human race coming in, but then we're seeing them like years later with this like finally trying to make it into the system and the story behind it is great. The relationships are great. Like to just be with Morden again and to Aww. go through everything in Mass Effect 3 with it. It's just like I I'm just ready for it on twitter it's all i've tweeted about multiple times anytime there's like a big gaming show i'm like give it to me this time give it to me this time and finally it's here and i just i can't wait to experience it again for the first time 
So speaking of that, we have a question from one of our patrons, Benjamin Ketcherside. Will you make any different key choices when playing through again? And also, Benjamin wants to know, who will you bang first in Mass Effect Legacy? <laughs> Legendary I edition. I have no intentions of changing any of my decisions. I loved my solid Paragon playthrough. Every time I played, I tried to perfect my decisions to get like the perfect Paragon playthrough. And I have every intention of just replaying that. I know that a lot of people are like, well, this is such a great opportunity to make, to see other things and make different choices. And I'm like, nah, dog, I'm good. I played the first Mass Effect eight times. Like, I don't think there's <laughs> for me to see did, there. Did you ever do the full uh, uh, Renegade run? Like, full Renegade Yeah, run, one of them was full Renegade, yeah. Oh. I couldn't do it in three. I'm just like, I can't be the bad I, guy I anymore. I didn't do it to three. So, so I, I, whitt I whittled down. So it was eight times with Mass Effect one. I think it was like three times with Mass Effect two. And then it was just one time with Mass Effect three. <laughs> I feel like such a bad fan because I, too, have only played Mass Effect three one time. I haven't even done all the DLC see yet because like I almost don't want to go back and like finish it again because I don't want to feel that emptiness yet again so yeah. I'm excited That's for why. this one yeah yeah it's yeah. like because the ending was just like to me very yeah it left me feeling really vacant like I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I like didn't I legitimately did not know what to do with myself it was over <laughs> and I just sat there I stayed up till four o'clock in the morning with work the next day and I was just like I'm going to finish this tonight not knowing how difficult that boss battle like what the not the boss battle at the end but when you're being like stormed by just every giant bad guy from the game like it yeah had the final reaper battle yeah. yeah 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 it was it was such an intense thing. I remember when the Citadel DLC came out. I like started it and I could not finish it. I was like, yeah, I haven't. I didn't I haven't even done start it. Yet. It's too, I was like, it's too sad. I, I've, <laughs> I've literally been waiting for a remaster to like do it again, and now I get that opportunity. And to kind of answer that question, I want to say that I'll do some things differently, but based on past experiences, I just have a tendency to dip back into like I role play that game. I'm like, this is what my character would do. These are the decisions uh... I'm going to make. I think now that I've gone through all of the different romances. Uh, via uh, YouTube videos or just playthroughs. <laughs> Uh, I think I found like where I really land with my with my preferences and and those probably won't change this time. So Jack, wait so who I'm are you banging? Uh, so Mass Effect one I skip. Uh, mm. Mass Effect two mm. will end uh, will probably end with Jack and then mm -hmm. Mass Effect three I gotta just make sure she survives in two so I can go find my gal pal. Uh, Though hmm, Jack, okay, no I would Miranda? never have picked that for you. Okay. Yeah. She no. like she's works. I romance Caden, but I don't know if I'll romance him again. The more I think about Caden, the least I, the less I like him. Oh, that's right. Wow. He's a character that's supposed to survive Wait, past the first game. You so we both romance Caden, <laughs> but I oh oh yikes yikes oh my god no dude. So I tweeted about the Mass Effect trailer or the, the with the trailer, and I was like, I can't wait to kill Ashley in Ultra HD. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the, they like. Actually, for the majority, people agreed with me. But there was definitely those people who were like, Caden's boring. And I was like, Ashley's a space racist. You're it's telling me you're choosing space racist over boring? See, now that's uh, always been the argument run. for Ashley. But I like, even playing that, I realized that. And just like, you know, Caden bugged me so much. I was like, go out to space and die. Uh, but <laughs> Ashley, I was like, 
I can fix you. You had a bad upbringing. We'll fix this. It's okay, Ashley. We'll fix this. Mm, I mean, I, I romance Caden, so I stuck with him for all three games. Same. Yeah. I might for try, I might try Garrus. I might, I might do a Garrus. Last time I almost been Garrus, but then I was cheating on Caden, so I had to reload that you save. Did, you did, but you reloaded. <laughs> I did. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Found that photo face down. I knew I was in trouble. I've never, yeah, I've never made a run at Garrus. My very first playthrough of Mass Effect 2, I romanced Jacob and had no regrets. He was awesome. Oh, yeah. uh, Jacob, the un- yeah, unsung hero of Mass Effect. He kind of, they kind of like push him to the wayside in ME3. He had like a, like a semi-interesting like A lot of people arc. get pushed into three, which is kind of an issue with it. But at the same time, when you have so many different characters, who's going to get like all of the time? Yeah. They're but, like, we needed all, we actually needed to make that suicide mission a legitimate suicide <laughs> to make sure some of these people died. Yeah. There should have been no perfect playthrough of that. <laughs> but I went back and replayed or I played Emmy one for the first time after having played Emmy, Emmy two, like two or three times. And I remember talking to you, Joven, and some other people at Mahalo about it. You guys, you guys were all like, "Wait, you didn't ever play the original?" <laughs> <laughs> like, because like, no, okay, it I'll was our like second back. coming to video games. Yeah, and that's when I romanced Liara and never looked back. Every subsequent playthrough of any Mass Effect game, because you can take that romance all the way through the trilogy. Yeah, I was just like and Liara the whole way to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's like what I was mad at Kate. And she oh, yeah. like lives on your ship in three, which is unlike any of the other characters, I think, that you can romance. Uh, guess yeah, because Kate, you'd go meet him like on the Citadel. Yeah. Kaden's like, an asshole. A boring asshole. <laughs> at least headaches. he's not a space racist. <laughs> <laughs> Who can be fixed? <laughs> can be fixed. A boring asshole with headaches. You can't oh, fix boring. No. But you're not wrong. Oh, no. You're not wrong. <laughs> I, what's interesting is I was thinking I might switch to Liara only because she is in the new trailer. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, we'll just go down that route. We'll yeah, somebody asked mm. me, they're like, do you think you'll be able to bring your legendary edition save no. from ME3 into whatever they're doing for the new ME? And I was like, that would be really interesting. I have they're to different ass- engines completely. Well, True. But your decisions, like, why would you, like, announce the next Mass Effect and then, like, have this? Well, unless it's kind of like Andromeda where it's, like, in a different part of the galaxy and your decisions don't matter. I think that yeah. it's, like, too close together. I, I think that... There has to be something there. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you? It's now on but the same But it's so platform. far in the future that theoretically a lot of your past decisions wouldn't matter anyway. Except mm-hmm. for the final decision. Except for the final decision. I mean, no, maybe you don't have to pick a cannon. You could really yeah, just yeah, be like, they could just say. do a quick screen at the beginning, which they've done in other RPGs. The like, Genesis Which comic, one, yeah, which right, one right. do you... You know, Liara can live for a really long time. Yes. So I want a cutscene where she's like, you know... I had this boyfriend like a thousand years ago. I'm like, that's me. I know that guy. <laughs> yes. I'd be like, oh my God, here's a piece of his armor. <laughs> <laughs> I found it. I've been looking for 900 years. Hanging above her bed. Oh shit. Oh my goodness. What if that's all the game is? It's just her like collecting pop paraphernalia of Shepard. Dude, I would get every in achievement in that game. I would become the Helga Pataki of Hey Arnold Ar- from Mass Effect. <laughs> yes, yes. Great reference. Oh, my goodness. That's a deep cut. Oh. Um, okay, one last question, and then we're going to move on from Mass Effect. Harry, um... Iozidas yeah. um, asks, is the info for the Mass Effect Legacy Edition, or excuse me, Legendary, as I think is what he meant there, mm-hmm. worth it to try, or is playing three games fine enough as it is on Game Pass? So I got this question a lot from people being like, I already have this via backwards compatibility. Why 
would I buy this? You can play it also on EA Play if you have that on, on PC or on as part of Xbox Game Pass. You can play all three Mass Effect games as is. And I would say the reason why I personally think it's worth it, coming from a very self-proclaimed Mass Effect fangirl, is that it includes all of the DLC, which is excellent. So many of the DLC character quests are really fun, mm -hmm. including my favorite piece of DLC ever created, the Lair of the Shadow Broker. That was really good. Uh, which is Liara's yes. DLC. So I think that that is worth it. And also like the graphical upgrades that I saw in the presentation and that you guys saw for yourselves in the trailer, I think make it worth it. We've seen other remasters come out for like $29.99 or $39.99, but the scope of the Mass Effect games is so large that I wouldn't even compare this to like a like a the, like the Crash Bandicoot remaster, right? Like this, there's so much more hours of gameplay here yeah. that you're going to be getting for yeah, that price. Complex. And, and yeah. if you try to play the original, like like I said before, you need those nostalgia goggles because it can get a little clunky and it looks like it's a game that came out in 2007, not like 2006, like I thought earlier. Uh, <laughs> so like, I think that alone, because how, how do you get through the first game? Like, well, I guess some people did skip the first game. <clears throat> uh, but it's just so I necessary. went back and played it two you times. You did, you did. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, it's very difficult to, to play that original game from 2007 today. Yeah. Agreed. But again, if you don't want to spend the money, you don't have to. I'm sure this will be on a holiday sale for Black Friday at 2021. So you can wait until then and get it on a discount. All right, let's move on to another story where I have a feeling we're going to have some things to talk about. <laughs> Britt, you want to take this one? Uh, Google Stadia shuts down inter internal studios, changing business focus. This comes from Kotaku. So Google Stadia, the late 2019 streaming platform that promised to revolutionize gaming by letting users stream games without needing to own a powerful PC or console, is altering course, getting out of the game-making business, and will now offer its platform directly to game publishers alongside offering Stadia Pro to the public. Google will close two of its game studios located in Montreal and Los Angeles. Neither had released any games yet. That closure will impact around 150 developers, one source familiar with Stadia operations has said. The company company says it will try to find those developers new roles at Google. Jade Raymond, the veteran producer who helped build Assassin's Creed for Ubisoft and moved on to EA, uh, is exiting the company, according to Google. So Google will continue to operate the Stadia gaming service and its $10 monthly Stadia Pro service. It's unclear how many, if any, exclusive games will still come to the service, though the company has indicated that it can still sign new games and will bring more third-party releases to the platform. Said one source familiar with first-party operations, Google was a terrible place to make games. Imagine Amazon, but under-resourced. And then later, after that story was published on Kotaku, <clears throat> there was an official statement put out by Phil Harrison that's called Focusing on Stadia's Future as a Platform and Winding Down SG&E. So I'm trying to scan through this and see like what the important things to say. Okay, In 2021, we're expanding our efforts to help game developers and publishers take advantage of our platform technology and deliver games directly to their players. We see an important opportunity to work with partners seeking a gaming solution all built on Stadia's advanced technical infrastructure and platform tools. We believe this is the best path to building Stadia into a long-term sustainable business that helps grow the industry. 
So what does this mean if you're a current or future Stadia gamer? You can continue playing all of your games on Stadia and Stadia Pro and will continue to bring new titles from third parties to the platform. We're committed to the future of cloud gaming and will continue to do our part to drive this industry forward. Our goal remains focused on creating the best possible platform for gamers and technology for our partners, bringing these experiences to life for people everywhere. Oh boy. Do you guys remember late 2019? Yes, no. I do. No, I don't. My brain has washed it out as some sort of fever dream. <laughs> no, that's when I moved to LA. I have vivid memories of late 2019. Like, my life is about to change. Wait, I you know. Want me to stay wet? Little did I know. <laughs> Little did I know. I, I um, like how it. The article talks about uh, how like what's going to be different for Stadia owners, uh, Stadia owners, like uh, nothing because they never put out a game anyways, so right. nothing changes. I mean the prospect changes because if you were an initial like investor not really investor you know like investor into the space hey, you, that was 130 dollars to get that that yeah. edition that mm -hmm. first edition you're thinking at the end of this at some point i'm going to get some exclusives something that nobody else will get here um not just timed or whatever but like something that google is making and like have jade raymond they have these big names like that was part of the appeal so to then kind of be like <clears throat> just kidding it's like a little shitty it's super I, shitty. I think that the uh, I'll make the connection here, but I think like the the Xbox Game Pass is one of the greatest things to happen to the video game industry. Um, you know, in in a decade or two decades, maybe ever. Uh, and so there is something about that that structure and that system that Google is still doing, though they aren't making first party games anymore. I think that if they kept money in that system and you know spent it kind of wisely. They could still have a really good platform because streaming a game that you, you know, pay $10 a month to be able to play is, I think, the future of video games in general. Uh, but to compete against an Xbox at the same time is difficult. But, you know, it is Google. They've got the money to do it. I think that they will lose money in a very long run, kind of like Disney Plus was expecting to lose money with that platform. Um, but just because they don't have those first party titles, I think the platform can still do great. But, you know, we, but, we've seen what happens to Google products. <laughs> I guess my, my counterpoint is that to when you're saying like, Google has the money. Correct. Google has the money. Google could have kept this going. Like Google technically had no financial reason to really cut their losses here and like go for another way. Like, so that's the part that leads me to believe they might be uncertain of Stadia's future and like are testing out whether or not this may end up in the Google graveyard. It's just like, do we want to keep these studios on the books that will, it will take at least another four to five years to actually produce something or do we want to yeah kind of like back away a little bit see if we can turn it into something else I, I would guess that some of the challenges that Google was running into is that these publishers were already locked into contracts multi-year deals with Xbox or with PlayStation to bring exclusive content to those platforms and then Google was just kind of there as an afterthought Right. Like this idea that, you know, you have a big partner like an EA or Ubisoft or Bethesda and you can already see that those people have made partnerships with other platforms. I mean, Ubisoft was really the biggest publisher to do things on Stadia as a platform, yeah. but they also don't really need Stadia. Stadia needed Ubisoft. Yeah. Right. And so I think that, you know, they their business development team was probably looking going, wow, we're going to have to keep funding this thing through at least 2025 to really get a footing because anything that Jade and Shannon's team, don't forget Shannon and Sudstill, 
20 years at Sony Santa Monica left to go be the project leads <laughs> on Jade's team. And I'm just like, that's also part of the story that's crazy <laughs> that over 150 developers have now lost their jobs that on that internal sucks, team. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, and it sucks too, because like, again, when you're going to a place like Google, you assume you have some level of job security because <laughs> that company does very well for itself. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, we weren't expecting anything from the internal team as far as a Stadia original exclusive for at least two to three years because game development just That's takes long a long takes. time. Um, and then, you know, when they look at their third-party partners that had to really sustain the platform until then, I'm sure Google just like ran the numbers and was like, this is going to probably lose us 500 million to a billion dollars while we're waiting to recoup those costs five years down the line. And I think, yeah, and I think that's, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm done. Okay. Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Because if you even look at what Amazon's gone through, through their development hell and their gaming division, you know, I think when you have these folks who are the higher up who are so used to just like making money anywhere they go, it's they have this mindset of we can just throw money at it. We can just throw money at it. And what we've learned is that money just isn't enough to create a successful franchise or a successful video game. A, you have to have a team of folks who like want to be there and they need that team needs to be headed by people who know what they're doing. They need to know like when to look for the red flags. And you look at what Amazon went through. For example, you had Jeff Bezos at the very top who was saying, I want the most gajillion dollar industry and our game franchise and we're going to just make it happen and blow people's minds and show everyone that Amazon Game Studios is the place to be and blah, blah, blah. And eventually, you know, three out of their four major studios uh, games have flopped recently. And I think if you can draw parallels between... Games? They have one that they're working on now, which is like a huge MMO. <laughs> but all the other ones have like gone yeah. kaput, right? They had, they had like three games or something I that came remember. out. I don't remember. I couldn't name any of them. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen the logo like Amazon Game Studios. Yeah. I, I've definitely seen it. I've played some of their mobile stuff, but their bigger games were they had an early access one that was out. It's honestly like it's not worth I mean, yeah, yeah, it's not space. So yeah, it's not something you can just throw money at. It really needs time. Like the creatives need time and space to really mm -hmm. come up with something interesting and uh, like have the time to develop it and go through all that. And if you are an instant gratification kind of person, game development not for you. And so when you look at this statement from Phil Harrison, with the increased focus on using our technology platform for industry partners, Jade Raymond has decided to leave Google. And if you read this, the word partners is used like four or five times. <laughs> so yeah, it tells me that I think they're going to leave their platform open, obviously, right? Like, like I said, you know, you have Baldur's yeah. Gate 3, for example, coming to it still. I'm assuming they haven't said anything, but I don't know why they would suddenly like extend that partnership. Um, but yeah, anyway, TLDR is like they're going to leave it open for people to publish their games if they want. But then I can see them lending their technology from the streaming part to other companies for whatever purposes they may or may not be able to use. And like, you know, that's how it works, businesses. If it doesn't turn a profit, it'll be axed within the next year or so. Yeah. But yeah. Which what it, like, I, I think I was taking like a, an optimistic view. But when you just like look at all the cards on the table, it, it's it's hard not to think just the worst. Yeah. 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 Especially again, Google, not a company that has the greatest track record of like keeping things around that aren't yeah. doing super well. They are pretty much like, mm, we'll just like kick you to the corner. <laughs> yeah. There was yeah. just so much. I could spend yeah the rest of the show talking about everything they did wrong with the launch of, of Stadia. And we have talked about it, so we don't yes. need to go over it ad nauseum. But I hope people will stop hiring 
Phil. Stop hiring Phil. Oh, damn. Just leaves a wake of destruction in his path. Um, Jeff Grubb from GamesBeat gets gets a tip of the hat for one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen. That was really good. (laughs) He tweeted a photo of Harrison with the tagline, uh, like, like good job agent 47 <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god i was oh, like oh man uh, you know sad but true oh, not to say that he's a bad person i'm not trying to drag you're him just as bad a at your being. job i just <laughs> he had the responsibility of all of these developers and he gets to keep his cushy executive job with all of its google perks and all of these people are now going to have to find other work a lot of them probably uprooted their families and moved to the los angeles area to work in one of these studios and it's just it's sad to me now you're stuck here in this pandemic Godspeed. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Let's keep on a rolling. I'm going to try to power through these next few news stories. But before we do that, I want to tell you that today's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by MeUndies. Let's talk about love, everybody. Yep, we're doing it. If there is one thing that got us through this past year, other than beating our own high score, it's love. (laughs) And that means getting extra cheesy for the ones we love most on Valentine's Day is allowed. MeUndies is here to help you win over your Valentine because they just released their V-Day collection. So you and your partner can match through it all. I do love their little tagline. Match your bottom half to your better half. And if you're single, it's no problem. You can just show yourself some love in the comfiest undies and loungewear that makes you feel amazing because you deserve it, girl. So we talked a lot about MeUndies on this show. I don't need to go over just how much I love their joggers, their onesies, their lounge pants. We're big MeUndies fans here at What's Good Games. We like being comfy. Mm -hmm. It's true. Steimer likes being comfy. I I like being comfy. It's great. It's great. So how fun would it be to have a shared secret of wearing matching undies with someone you love? Well, MeUndies are made with sustainable, breathable, softer-than-soft fabric and available in a range of sizes from extra small up to 4XL. MeUndies membership gives you and your boo a new pair of undies or socks every month, and members get discounted pricing on everything MeUndies makes, as well as early access to major print launches. MeUndies has a great offer for our What's Good Games listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you're going to get 15% off and free shipping. Take advantage of the Me Undies problem-free philosophy. Mm-hmm. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash WGG. That's M-E-U-N-D-I-E-S dot com slash WGG. Don't forget, every time you use one of our links, it helps the show. Let's just kind of like breeze through the rest of this since we spend a lot of time talking about Mass Effect as we should. Don't we just um, go back to Mass Effect for the next hour? I'm yeah, okay with that too. It's be the Mass Effect Listen, show. We could just make the whole show about Mass Effect. I wouldn't be opposed, mm-hmm. but yeah, we could just quickly say this and then we can move on. It's <laughs> go true. back to Mass Effect. I, I, I do want to bring up this story because... It is just a nod to the fact that Embracer is becoming another superpower in the video game industry. So earlier this week, we found out that Embracer Group acquired Gearbox Entertainment for $1.3 billion. With a B. With a B, everybody. <gasps> Big fat Actually, B. I think it's Gearbox Publishing is the actual name of the group. Um, so, of course, Gearbox, known for the Borderlands franchise. Um, Embracer, who you may remember us talking about last year, 
bought a bunch of people, including THQ Nordic, Saber Interactive, Coke Media, Decca Games, Amplifier Games Invest, and Coffee Stain Holding. And they also noted earlier this week, Tim Willits, one of the heads over at Saber Interactive, said that they acquired Aspire Media as well. So what's interesting about this is that Embracer has just been like collecting. They've been embracing <laughs> all these. Other- <laughs> <laughs> Good job, oh, I Steimer. see what you did there, Steimer. It's true. Saw that one on the Google Doc. It's like I'm gonna hold on to this pun. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly just looked at it and I was like, oh, that, like I literally just imagined them hugging, but then kind of absorbing like a Kirby. They're <laughs> just like, ah. it starts off real cute, and then you realize you're yeah. dying, yeah. and then it becomes horrifying, and you're like, oh Jesus. So one of the things that I first thought of, of course, is, well, what does this mean for Take-Two Interactive, 2K Games, and Borderlands? Because that was has been a long-time publishing agreement. And according to IGN, who wrote to 2K, a spokesperson from the company said, as the proud publisher of the Borderlands franchise, we are happy for our partners are Gearbox, and it's an exciting new chapter for their organization. The merger does not change 2K's relationship with Gearbox, nor our role as the publisher for the Borderlands IP, or any other projects we are currently working on with the studio. We look forward to continuing our long-term partnership with this incredibly talented team and delivering many more exciting entertainment experiences for gaming fans around the world. Isn't that be- just chummy? <laughs> Uh, auctioneer. <laughs> yes. Uh, what I found interesting about this story is, I don't know, I feel like every time we have an E3 and Microsoft gets on stage, they're like, hey, here's the 20 other companies we just bought. Watch out for their games. And like, I like is this the part of the industry that we're just going to see a lot more of where you just have like these larger companies that just own every single studio till the till there's only like, you know, like the big three or four? Mm-hmm. It's going to be the big four. It's going to be Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, and Embracer. But I was looking, at, Embracer. <laughs> I was looking at this press release. They have 200 owned franchises, 57 internal game development studios, and 5,500 employees. It's a lot. Yeah. A lot. Embracer is, I mean, I guess this is minor spoilers, but like they're the thing from inside. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like a big catamaran. Oh. It's like, yeah. so, a weird conglomerate. Does this, does this yeah. make any of y'all your butt? clench with worry no Uh, not at all i think if you look at most of the ip underneath this label a lot of it's middleware quite honestly and i think what that could mean is actually good for the gaming industry it allows the rise of middleware to come back and for teams that are not necessarily gargantuan triple a teams or really small indie teams to still have a place in video games Mm -hmm. and they really haven't for like the last decade yeah no And, and so i think that this is actually a good thing is that it gives more creative freedom to some of these teams to say, hey, there can be success on a smaller scale. Not every game needs to make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And I think that these teams clearly have found the same kind of inspiration or hope, right? (laughs) In being part of a larger team. And hopefully, you know, we'll be able to see some cross collaboration between these groups. I don't know exactly like how that would work, but it's been interesting kind of seeing some developers chat about this um, on the social media sites this week. And it's really hard, like when you have, you know, let's say, let's use EA as an example, like if, if they acquire another company or another IP, like you'll easily see on Reddit, like, oh, well, I used to like this franchise, that's too bad. But when you look at the games that, that they do have, that Embracer has, like, I don't know if there's a game on that list that I saw that like a, another game came out afterwards where it changed too much from the original. I was like, I think like all the follow-ups were still just as good after they were embraced by Embracer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly. I mean, and if Tencent can quietly dominate the gaming industry, <laughs> so can Embracer. Don't forget yeah, Tencent the gaming still. industry, the movie industry, the worldwide currency industry. Yeah, we're all <laughs> Tencent. Tencent's just taking over. Like you talk about the big four, it's I think it's actually it's like just the big one. It's the big one. <laughs> Tencent just owns everybody. Tencent's like, oh, they're onto us. <laughs> Exactly. This podcast will be edited by the Tencent government. <laughs> it's true. The overlords. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about Destiny's new season of The Chosen, but we're just going to kind of skip over that. Um, if I'm you going like to Destiny, you'll like this. That. Yes. I mean, like, listen, I like Destiny. You guys know this. We don't need to go over the details about everything that's going on. They're bringing back some old strikes. That's fun. They have a new mode. It looks, it looks dandy. Um but dandy. Not dandy. enough people rock the dandy anymore. I like dandy. It's a very sophisticated yeah. word. Yes, it's very dandy. I like mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Fine and dandy. Mm. There's some great nuggets in the English language that we just need to revive. Like nuggets. <sighs> dandy nuggets. nuggets. Chicken nuggets. <laughs> Even better. Did y'all see that the Nintendo Switch has officially passed the Nintendo 3DS in worldwide lifetime sales with 79.87 million console units Good sold? Good God. Which I feel, I feel like anyone that was trying to buy a Switch during this pandemic, it's like, how do they sell this? I can't find one on a store anywhere. <laughs> like, anywhere. They're sold out everywhere. How are they selling this many units when I can't find one? Because uh, they're you, selling them to everybody except for you. Yeah, that's right. And just <laughs> like, as a listen, reminder, the Wii U. We've seen that guy play Nintendo products before. He is not allowed to have a Switch. Yeah, Nintendo regulates who can own Switches. Sorry that you're just now finding this it's out. It's an application yeah. process. Yeah. They're like, work bad. on your Smash skills, Joven, and then you yep. can have a Switch. Nope. My Smash skills are great on oh. a casual level. <laughs> oh, on a casual level. Yeah, that, that's casual me. Level. I'm casually good as well. Oh, that's why I like. Uh, I, I can I beat the level that. nine I'm casually AIs. poor. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I'm a Nintendo fan, but like this this news doesn't surprise me at all. Like I hands down think that the Nintendo Switch is one of the greatest gaming consoles of all time. Not necessarily just because of the library, but you know, its ability to kind of bring in more third-party titles than previous Nintendo games, but I think the sleep button up top is one of the greatest things to happen to gaming next to uh, Xbox Game Pass. Uh, to be like halfway through a game, just like, alright, I'm just gonna literally just close the screen and be able to start at this ex exact moment any other time. Uh, the library is great. You can pick it up and go, which I thought was going to be such a weird thing to have, but it is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a good console. I think it's up there with like the PlayStation 2. Yeah, I'm and with they've you. they've got way fun colors. They do have they do. fun colors. I also just want to remind people that the Wii U, the console that was before the Switch, only sold about 15 million units total throughout its entire life. 15 or 50? 1.5. 15, 1.5. Wow. Yeah, 1.5. Wow. Yeah, I wonder how that compares to the GameCube then, because like I know that that underperformed at launch, but I love the GameCube. I think uh, the Wii U was the lowest performing lowest, Nintendo yeah. console ever, Wii if I'm not mistaken. The GameCube yeah. sold 22 million GameCube units. So yeah, so that yeah, it didn't it didn't better. do too hot either, but better than what it yeah. was. But now it's great. I think Nintendo's finally got their groove. Now if they could just get their online infrastructure fixed, which it sounds like they've been <sighs> using the same online infrastructure since the GameCube, and they're just now recently revamping it with the launch of Monster Hunter Rise, which is what I read anyway. That explains a lot. Oh, well, yeah, that would explain a lot. <laughs> that would well, explain a lot. Certainly hasn't stopped people from buying it. Um, Nope. So maybe you know they're looking at it going like, why do we? LOL, why do we need LOL, to change? LOL, LOL. Exactly. Y'all are keep buying. You keep giving we us money. We sold. We we just sold our 3ds. Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> that's it. And that's it's so impressive because 3ds has been over. Like that's eight years 
six years? The oh, 3DS has been such a long time. This podcast is making the, me feel old. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> Let's talk about something that makes me yes. feel short instead. Yes. Uh, well, we're almost to the oh, shortness. Geez. Almost. I just wanted to quickly mention while we're talking about console sales, Sony has announced that the PlayStation 5 has shipped 4.5 million units in 2020, ma- matching the PlayStation 4's launch in 2013. And Spider-Man Miles Morales sold 4.1 million units at the end of 2020. Part. That's, That's the funny Yay. part. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I got PlayStation 5. What else am I going to play? I guess this one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great game, so that's great. Yeah. Congrats to Insomniac and to PlayStation. And now, if you could just, you know, make some more. You know, make some more consoles for people to buy. I need to know what's going on with Venom and Green Goblin. Come on. (laughs) Well, make, yes, that that too. But I was talking more about the consoles not being available. I saw a lot of stories about the amount of profits that scalpers have been making off of Uh PS5s. That had made me very sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's not not great. (sighs) All right, Steimer, you're up. Oh, I mean, I feel like this should be a Britney thing, but I just was, this made me laugh. Um, But Britney, you're you're Resident Evil. Elijah girl. Oh, you okay? This now this is a miscommunication. Now we're now we're jumbling. Do you want me to read it, or would you like to? <laughs> read yes, it? you go for it. Okay, this is very very important, ladies and gentlemen. Please strap in. This is Earth Shattering News. Resident Evil Village's art director Tomonori Tanaka released a statement that confirms Lady. I call her Lady D because I don't know how to say her name. Her height, Dimitrescu. Dimitrescu, including <laughs> her hat and heels. She is nine feet six inches tall. Six inches tall. That is big. Damn, mommy. that's a big bitch. <laughs> tall lady. I call her oh, big I mommy. How tall her heels <laughs> are. Her big pitch. I don't know. I it's imagine a line those... from a movie. Everybody, I'm not. Oh, I didn't. What line? Did <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being insulting at the line from. A I movie. liked it. I don't know, but I imagine if you're nine feet six inches tall, your heels have to be relatively girthy and tall to like accommodate your weight to support your weight i mean her yeah. boobs alone right? like platform yes. heels instead of a stiletto i mean her boobs alone have to be like at least 50 pounds but that's fine she's got some back pain yeah she, she's yeah. good so she's about two of you steimer she is she is um i mean technically i'd be like a little a little over but like yeah we're roughly <laughs> it's roughly if i like stood on my own shoulders <laughs> like, uh, would be about the same you know it's whenever i see stuff like this like i I'm a Resident Evil fan, or at least I've told myself that I'm a Resident Evil fan because every time I see a new game, I'm like, man, this is really weird. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I go back, I'm like, oh, but Resident Evil 2 was great. Then you play through that again, and you're like, no, this game is also really weird. Like, Resident Evil is just a really weird franchise. Remember the little Napoleon guy in 4? Yeah. Because? And now we get just the opposite side of that with, with this character. So <laughs> why not? Why not? Why not? They're they're just exploring their weirdness. I wish when I hosted the showcase for them, when we were re recording, I could have told them, I could have prepared them for the fan reaction to Lady D. Because they are just blown away by it. I think it's so cool and I love that they're embracing it and it just makes me happy. It's a good thing for it, us to all gather it, around. I remember seeing the trailer before they announced the the height, and I was like, these are some weird camera angles to be using because it's making her like look much larger than she actually <laughs> Oh no, she's that tall. Okay, no, that's she's why just we real did that. Big. Got it, got it. And like somebody was like, Why didn't she make her doorways bigger in her house? I'm like, I don't think like I think she moved in there. Yeah. Like I don't she didn't build this house from scratch. Right. Right. So I mean, you don't want to mess up the architectural structure of your house. <laughs> it's true. Um, and just to confirm, it was from Beverly Hills Cop 2, Eddie Murphy. Ah. Yep. Uh, talking about uh, Bridget Nielsen's character. 
yeah. who is also, She's also a famously tall. tall actress. Yes. Um, all right. So our last two blips of news. You can now play God of War on PS5 with 60 frames per second and 4K checkerboard resolution up to 2160p. So if you are looking for a reason to go back and play one of the Best most games magnificent ever. games Pretty ever. Much. Yes. Uh, on your right. PlayStation 5. Ready for that sequel. Oh, Hell yes. yeah. Ragnarok. Bring it on. Um, and lastly, <laughs> <laughs> y'all know that uh, a lot of shit has been going down with GameStop. And obviously the Steinbachers covered most of that news on the show last week. We're not going to rehash what's been currently happening with the GameStop stocks, the GameStonks. Please no. Stonks. If you will. Um, but essentially, <laughs> the drama gets so exciting that according to IGN, there is a film in development at MGM based on a book proposal by the author of The Social Network's inspiration. The other movie will be from Netflix starring, who is this guy? Noah, Noah I don't know how you say his last name, Sencino or whatever, but he is in like every Netflix movie. He's in uh, he's All the Boys. Guy. Yeah, right, All the Boys I've Loved Before. Yeah. He's, been, he's been in like two other rom com Netflix type Oh, Sarah Burgess or whatever. I watch a lot of Netflix rom-coms, just so you know. Um, I like, if you watch Netflix, you know this actor. He's in everything. I don't recognize him. You don't watch the good trash that I watch. <laughs> I don't. One of the first links that popped up when I Googled this guy's name was Teen Vogue. So maybe that's just... Yeah, he's... Oh, maybe I'm just an old... <laughs> Teen Vogue, wow. I mean... We I'm played Mass Effect when it came out, so we don't know who this actor is. Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. I, I, but, okay. <laughs> Poor Simer. She's like, my trashy shows have purpose and meaning. I like, I didn't like the Sarah Burgess one. That one was gross. But I do really love To All the Boys I Love Before. I love that series. I'm and there, the third one's coming out in like a week or we can change. <laughs> I'm really excited. It's, yeah. they're good. Your, your choices are good. Thank you. We just smile yeah. and not. I needed the validation friend. from you. <laughs> uh, my we'll get into jo- Joven Shire's secret love of trashy Netflix movies a little bit later on. But for now, we're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. This is when we talk about what we've been playing. But first, I tell you all about this segment sponsor, Felix Gray. Everyone is talking about the effects of blue light these days, but have you stopped to think about what blue light you are exposed to daily? Major sources of blue light can come from phones, tablets, computers, TV, Kindles, and even LED light bulbs that are shown to emit more blue light than their in. Oh, someone say that for me. Incandescent. Thank you, counterparts. Common symptoms from exposure to blue light include headaches, blurry vision, dry, tired eyes, and trouble sleeping. And exposure to blue light at night can impact melatonin secretion, the hormone that regulates sleep. Something I think we all need more of. But finally, there is a pair of glasses designed for the 21st century, and that is Felix Grey. Felix Grey glasses filter 15 times more blue light from screens than other clear blue light lenses to help restore your balance. The original optical lenses relieve most eye strain symptoms 
symptoms from daily screen time. And the more advanced sleep glasses relieve serious daily eye strain and were especially designed for late night screen time to improve sleep. Felix Gray frames are hand finished from Italian acetate. Thanks, friends. This is why I have you on standby. <laughs> Making them durable, lightweight, and super comfortable. And Felix Gray glasses are stylish. And Andrea has ordered the Roebling Clear. I've ordered the Nash Black. And Steimer is always I own three Felix. pairs that yeah. I bought myself a couple of years ago. <laughs> and um, I tried one of them on, and I'm definitely going to have to be ordering another pair of Ooh. the pink ones because they're... Are they back? Because they were limited edition at one point. Oh, no. I haven't checked yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're really cute. They're Roeblings in this light pink color. But yeah, I have those. I have two Roeblings. One's the pink. One's like a yellowish. And then I've got the ones that I wore on the Steinbacher show. So if you were watching oh, the Steinbacher show video, those are Felix Grays. Yeah. You rock them, baby girl. And blue light lenses come standard starting at $95. Or you can add your prescription at checkout for $145. Starting at $145. Excuse me. If you don't love your glasses in the first 30 days, their in-house customer care team will take care of exchanges and returns. No hassle, no questions asked. Our eyes were not meant to look at screens all day. Help protect them with a pair of glasses from Felix Gray. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash games to shop glasses that work as hard as you do. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash games. Free shipping, free exchanges, 30-day money-back guarantee. felixgrayglasses.com slash games. Boom. Boom shakalaka. From downtown. Ooh. Sorry. Ooh, hype man. I'm into it. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about that news at all. What? Oh, well. That's fine. EA is bringing back college football, everybody. At oh, EA yeah. Sports. Yeah. They had an earnings call. They it's announced the a whole bunch of stuff. They you know, made lots of money from Star Wars. There's a lot of no, stuff. That's yeah. nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good for you guys. It, it, yeah. it, it's nice to see that it's back. I'm not a college football person, but I do pay attention to the, that news because it, it is kind of messed up how the NCAA makes so much money off of their players and, like, None of the money from these sales get to them, so and that's why this kind of stopped in the first place. So to see the franchise back kind of is is interesting. So they're EA, not using player likenesses. Right. They not. they aren't they aren't using likenesses. I don't are they using names? I don't. They I don't were know. using team names. Team names. It, yeah, well, that's it. Not include student athlete names, images, and likenesses, but they're continuing to watch those developments closely. Yeah. But yeah, at the same time, like, you know, word. you're playing, you're going to play as your favorite team because of the players on that team. So I don't know. So like, are they just uh, gonna, like random generic, <laughs> like randomly generated people? Like, I guess. I, I think probably. it's a good start because there's a lot of people who are clamoring for this because the collegiate scene has a lot of ravenous fans. And while I know that people connect with players, I think also those collegiate teams have such long histories that you actually probably have a longer relationship with the team identity than with an individual player because there's so That's much true. more turnover in collegiate sports than there is in professional sports. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, anywho, that's back. Yeah. I'm out of space. But hey, let's talk about in. what we've been playing. Who? Who uh, wants to go first? Oh, okay. I, I, first, I thought I was like, I thought there was like a segment, like intro, like jingle that I wasn't da, hearing. Da, da, I'm like, da, da, da. Uh, okay. uh, uh, guest, would you like to go first? <laughs> I would love to go first. Uh, for the first time, I think I'm answering this question. 
with a mobile game, oh. but it's also kind of cheating because this last week we had the release of Magic the Gathering Arena having its early access on Android, baby! That's right! Android users get to be the first one to play something for the first time, I think, ever. Uh, now, though the requirements to be able to play the game and to be able to play the game well are kind of high, like you need like a new, new phone to run it. Um, I'm a huge Magic the Gathering fan, and now to be able to play it on my phone, every experience I've had, every game I've played on my phone has been great. Uh, I spend way too much time playing it when I should be working, but the fact that I can do it from my phone now makes life great. So, whether so do you have wife, like the higher end phone so that it's... I, I think... I, I think Newer. It's it's not like the newest newest phone. I think this is a uh, like the second to last Galaxy phone. Um, and but I'm it's running still running it. good. Yeah, and it's great. Um, the UI is fantastic. Uh, the new set is awesome. It's it's based off of Norse mythology, so it's definitely a top down uh, mechanics uh, for the set. And it's just been I don't know. It's fun, and I'm spending a lot of time on it. So is the Magic the Gathering arena mobile game similar to the online game that you can currently play yes, or is like the format it's, different it's just like if um like you know hearthstone could be played through the blizzard launcher or it could be played on the mobile device uh it's the same thing it, it's your account the ui is a little bit different to kind of fit like a smaller screen but even then it's i don't know everything pops up as it should for me like if i want to see what the opponent just used i can like hold down on the screen to kind of see what card i'm a blind person and i don't have a problem reading any of the cards on this uh so that's, well, that's good it's just i think it's a good move i think that we're going to be seeing some big moves from Hasbro just as a whole when it comes to like a lot of their uh, Wizards of the Coast properties, um, which, you know, we'll be able to talk about that in a few seconds with my new show. <laughs> uh, but the fact that I think like Magic the Gathering, because it's been around since 1993, 1994, it's it's a giant game. So many people play, but the bubbles never really popped for Magic the Gathering. Even with Arena, it's brought in a lot of new players, but it's still not like an everyday thing. Um, so I hope that now that it's on mobile, it, it kind of does open the door for a lot of new players. Well, so, like, do you think, yeah, if, if I'm like, I've never played one, even like a card game, is this accessible at any point? Or are you just going to immediately be like, what is going on here? Oh, it's so think, hard with magic though. Cause of all the deck yeah. building you have to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to it. And, and like to pick it up for the first time on mobile is maybe a little bit more complicated because you're like, all right, how am I building uh, like like decks or what cards should I be using? But I do think that the the platform uh, arena is is really good for for new players and as a free to play platform as well. So, mm. hey, do you remember that one time we went to the escapist convention in North Carolina and you and Lasercorn <laughs> tried to teach me how to play Magic so that you uh, could face off against the escapist team? There, there's a lot uh, a lot from that trip I don't remember, but I do remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. That was a very oh, fun boy. trip. I failed miserably. I was like, and we like, lost so badly to the uh, Escapist team. I've tried. Oh, they were I so good. Can't, can't wrap my head around it <sighs> for some reason. It's it's it is definitely like it's proven that it is the most complicated tabletop game in existence. Makes sense. Uh, and yeah, uh, but again, like with the smaller baby steps on like arena, I, I think that it, it can teach you the basics pretty quickly. But yeah, it's something that you have to be like looking up all the time. Like, mm, well, what are the best cards to be using? Hey, <laughs> gotta get nerdy. Yeah, I don't know why you I did that. I don't know why I liked it. Yeah, see, we gotta, you gotta put this card down over here. See, <laughs> all right, let's see what Kaldheim is gonna bring to the table. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> 
You're just <laughs> leaning you into the nerd. mustache now. Love it. It's become sentient. It's hey, we're gonna we're gonna play some uh, Vikings and uh, dwarves and dragons. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go away now. <laughs> Um, I've been playing a lot more of the same of what I have been playing, unfortunately. Um, there is a new update that went live for Animal Crossing New Horizons in January. Festival begins in just a couple of days here, which is exciting. And I've decided to redo a bunch of stuff on my island. So no need that to sounds re- right. Yeah. I mean, listen, like, I had just to get like rid of all my house. Christmas. I had to get rid of all my Christmas stuff. I had to redo. Girl, I should show you my, the redesign I did in my bedroom. It is Oh, chef's kiss. I'm so happy. It's <laughs> Pinterest it's Pinterest worthy, I will show you. Um, but another thing that came out this week was a big patch for the Division 2. So we talked about at the Resident Evil Showcase that Massive Entertainment was teaming up with the team at Capcom to bring a bunch of pieces of gear from Raccoon City and Resident Evil into the Division. And so all of that apparel went live in a brand new apparel event that's running for the next two weeks. And... While there still is not an Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 version of The Division, and I don't know if there ever will be, the backwards compatible version got a graphics upgrade and it now runs at 60 frames per second and it is buttery smooth. (laughs) It looks amazing. The lighting effects look awesome. The graphical upgrade across the board just makes the game pop in a way that... I was really missing and so I've dove back into the division two to try to collect some of these resident evil pieces of gear, even though I have no, as you know, Brittany, not really an affinity towards you, you know like any? Jill Valentine's outfit or anything. But so you just look looking for something to do, you're like, I can get that. I can get yeah. that. I mean it's just the <laughs> it's just the gear chase of yeah, any yeah. kind of, you know, end game. But are the stats good? Uh yeah, so the the stats are good. I mean a lot of the things though, but with the um, apparel event is that it's mostly just cosmetic. Oh, okay, so it's just so overload. The That's stats good. of the new gear that you can get because they overhauled the gear system last year, last fall in one of the updates around the Warlords of New York. Um, and I don't want to get too in the weeds of the RPG elements of that game. But um, I'm very much looking forward to making some new builds and trying some new content and and uh, hooking, uh, hooking back up with ooh, members of the Division Clan. Bugs, yeah. my Resident Evil friends then. And you'll think of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Is there yeah. a tyrant outfit? Because that would get me back into that game in a oh, heartbeat. That would be awesome. It'd be a little like uh, immersion breaking because they don't do anything high fantasy in the division at all. Yeah. So that's why it it's was... all like the I'll just RPG take the outfits. <laughs> I think they should do tofu. I think you're right. Oh Simon. wow! Yes. I think you're right. I love Simon. That's like you're like, always resident like evil of our friend. She goes to tofu, and I love it's it. Tofu, because I'm like, I love that this was ever a thing. I love it. I love it I, so much. I remember being in school, and like people were talking about, oh yeah, I got tofu, and I was like, oh yeah, I, I got tofu too. Yeah, I beat it with tofu. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> like he's got his knife and everything. It's like, what's he look like? I'm like, you know, he's got like the the SWAT gear on, and you know, he's, he's you know, he's like. <laughs> You've never did it before. It's like, how how'd you know? Because he's a piece of tofu. Oh, tofu! It's not the name of the character. Tofu. Literal tofu. Somehow, yeah. But it would be weapons. funny to have it be like a mascot costume, so like you'd still see your head poking out, but the whole rest of your body is this <laughs> tofu thing. You're yeah, just like walk, trying to get behind cover. Uh, yes. Brittany, did you see the oh, mod that someone made for RE2 remake where they swapped <laughs> Bernie Mr. X for Bernie Sanders? <laughs> 
did. Oh, Holy I thought shit. you were going to say they swapped it for the vampire lady, Lady D. No, they fucking I mean, that them. would be good, but I, I doubt that they I mean, they could probably steal her modeling from the trailers, but like the Bernie Sanders it's one was so, so good. Because it's the, the, the meme of him, right? Where he's all cold and huddled in his little chair and everything. And it's the funniest fucking thing. I think that's my favorite mod. More than Mr. X in a thong. I think that one's definitely my yeah. favorite. Better than I Thomas the Tank I did not see that mod. Oh. Uh, writing this down on my download list. Yes, you should. <clears throat> there's I, know, some, I still feel like Thomas ones. the Tank Engine in Skyrim is like... That's pretty good, too. Oh, <laughs> that's GOAT. Yeah. yeah that's of course. pretty good. That's classic. Um, so if you've been wanting to get back into the Division 2 or if you never played the Warlords of New York expansion, now is a great time to jump back in the game. And I also got a code from Ubisoft for the new expansion for Uno Ultimate Edition, right. the Phoenix Rising pack. Amazing. So they did a crossover with Immortals, Phoenix Rising, and Uno. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Where you kind of like have these like boss battles against like the gods inside the game. And I'm very excited. Reverse. To I'm totally into that. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, Phoenix Rising just... I think got its uh, its first DLC recently, and that was a game I liked a mm. lot. Yeah, we talked about that on the show about how it was really an underpraised game, and a lot of people just kind of like blew past it in December. And in fairness, Ubisoft did release it in the wake of one of the best Assassin's Creed games they've ever created, and so it was another big open world game, but such a different vibe. Yeah. Uh, for Immortals, still a great opportunity to go back. I thought the writing in it out. was so much fun. It was yeah. fun. Yeah. Agreed. Super funny game. But yeah, so that's what I've been up to. Steimer, you've been reading some more. I'm still, yeah, sorry. I'm like, I'm I'm bad at this podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm almost done with The Way of Kings. And I just really kind of wish that it's one of those things where you wish you could just pause on everything and just sit down and like finish it. But I've, yeah. got, I've got life things to do. Yeah. So I can't do that. Playing the game. Yeah, it life. gets real good at the end. I, I had many like 3 a.m. nights at the end of that book. Oh, yeah. I I feel like I just want to take, be like, okay, Friday, 5 p.m., I'm done, and I'm just going to read <laughs> until I finish this book. So, does uh, this mean I'm going to have to get you a matching Bridge Four medallion to the one that I have? You have a Bridge Four medallion? I do. Oh, that's cute. The little <laughs> insignia that they have. Aww. Yeah. I got it at Comic Con. Nice. Sure, I'll take one. Yeah, we could be buddies. Yeah, bridge four. Bridge four. Those Ooh. poor souls. Joven, did you, have you ever read the Stormlight Archives? <laughs> have you ever read? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I haven't read that. I've actually, uh, through Audible, gone through and have read a lot of the Legend of Dritz books. And so right now, a lot of my reading kind of pertains, like I'll do uh, one of those stories, which is like a Dungeons and Dragons uh, story that has like 22 books to it. Uh, and then I'll, I'm also trying to read the new canon Star Wars books. So I'll like finish one, go to the next one, finish one, go to the next one. So uh, I'm trying to get through all of that first, which will probably take the next two years of my life. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot there. Uh, well, there's no shame in reading. We love reading here at yeah. What's Good Games. Reading is good for you. Um, and Britt, you have been playing <laughs> Trails of Cold Steel. Yeah, I was looking, I'm craving a JRPG, like a true blue, give me the anime husbandos and waifus. And so I've been heard, I've heard a lot about the Trails of series, tra yeah, Trails, I always want to say Trials, but it's Trails, Trails of series. And there's currently, I think, four Trails of Cold Steel, four or five. I'm new to all this and it's a complicated fucking whole thing because what I've like most JRPGs. Oh, dude. And it's not right. even just But not to be confused with the Tales of series. Correct. Which is the correct. Trails Different. of yes. Trails. Yes. Tales is also very good. Like this a hiking trails. trail. Yeah. 
Yes, exactly. Good job, Samer. So yeah, you have <laughs> you have Good job. word association. I was like, oh, like, Good yeah. job. Yeah, Good yeah. Job. So you have trails and think like shout out to our community, especially Maggie, who's been really helpful trying to explain this to me as if I'm an infant because I still can't wrap my head around it. So you have the Trails of series, but among that, like you're supposed to play the first, I think tr- the first two Trails games, and then you're supposed to hop to the Crossbell series or something, and then there's the Sky series, and then they all come together at some point. And I don't understand it, and it causes me stress. So I'm just focusing on the Trails of Cold Steel series right now. And so far, um, this game is just exactly what I wanted. It's like the epitome of slow burn in the sense that they are aren't they are not rushing to get to the narrative points. They're not rushing to get to who the bad guy is. I'm like 25 hours in right now, and right oh. now, right now, I feel like I'm just a normal high school academy student, but it's a military high school that I'm at or college or university. Anyway, I couldn't tell you like where the story is going, who the bad person is or any of that. They're just now slowly starting to introduce like some iconic like scenes of someone's back and they're like laughing evilly like you were, Joven, with your little mustache twirl. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all I'm getting. Soon they'll all be mine. (laughs) And this is something that you enjoy 20 hours into a game and you still don't know what's happening. Exactly. Yeah, right now it feels really good. I know, I know. It's it's but it's really scratching that itch and what I love about it is there's about I don't know, eight main characters right now. And but there there's some this this game has some of the best writing for characters in a JRPG that I think I've come across maybe ever. They're all so well written and the story, although it's a very, very slow burn, it's still very interesting. It kind of has a little bit of persona vibes to it in a sense as well. Mm. But yeah, but obviously like <laughs> I couldn't really tell you much more about it because I'm still trying to figure it out. But the combat's good. <laughs> At 40 hours, At you 40 might hours. know who the antagonist is. 40 hours, she'll have an inkling. If you're lucky. <laughs> but So I'm going to hold off on saying too much more. But again, like I talked about it in our community Facebook page and on Twitter. And there's just such a, like a cult following of this game. And they're all really excited. So I hear you. I see you. I'm giving this series a shot. And so far, I really like it. And I'm sure I'll be talking about it in a month when I maybe have an idea of what's happening. But for now... I'm just going to enjoy my slow burn of husbandos and waifus. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I think I think that, you know, the games that sometimes are the most dense to get into end up being the most rewarding once you're once you're in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You talking about that JRPG made me think of Lunar Silver Star Harmony and oh. now I'm like I kind of wonder if that's on a thing now that I could play like a Switch. It was on PSP. The last thing I right? played it on was Vita. Vita, Let's Vita. See. Yeah. You recommended Lunar. that game to me, and I really liked it, too. Dude, that Star game was so was good. good. Silver Star Harmony. Yeah. yeah. That was a good one. I don't know if it's on anything new. It might not be. Let's look at the Wikipedia page, everybody. Come on, PS5 backwards compatibility. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, it was released last in 2010, so oh, on the PSP. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I got it on the Vita, because it was the PSP version. Yeah, so probably. Uh, womp, womp. probably Anyways, not. great game, but apparently you need a PSP or a PSP to get it. So. Yep. I don't know. It might be on like um, like an emulator online. Oh, that's true. I forget that those exist sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you can find almost anything on the internet these days. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> uh, well, we had a lot to talk about in the news, so we don't have as much to talk about in the hands-on portion, but hopefully we'll have even more to chat with you guys about next week. So let's go ahead and take our final break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about the stuff of legends. With <gasps> I know that thing. That is your thing. I hope so. I made that thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. 
Welcome back, everybody. It's the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. As you have been hearing the entire show, the one, the only, the Jovenshire is here. And it's so good to finally have you on the show. You and I have obviously been friends for over a decade now. And I saw all the promotion you're doing for your brand new show. And I'm so happy for you. Congratulations on the launch of the stuff of legends. So tell us a little bit about what the series is and what people can expect when they go to the Jovenshire's YouTube channel. Uh, Stuff of Legends is an official uh, D&D campaign show, so we're actually working with Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons & Dragons to make this show, and what we have is we have a cast of uh, actors and comedians who are playing Dungeons & Dragons for the first time, except for um, Lasercorn, who's a a longtime friend of ours, who's played a few times before, but still pretty green to the game, and the big twist is that anytime there is any uh, action or dialogue, we actually cut to uh, the specifically made puppets for each character and it's all like pantomimed almost like a like a drunk history style where like the puppets are then you know just uh saying what the people are saying so it's been a lot of fun the first episode came out this last tuesday it's been well received so far uh as you can see here it it definitely has some some vibes from like you know early 90s uh (laughs) like puppet shows that you might have seen as a kid and you know the it's got a lot of heart which is i'm very proud of because you see these people playing D&D for the very first time, and as they're learning the game, you see them kind of coming together as not just like a group of cast members, but actually like a D&D party. Uh, and my main goal for the show was to be able to make something that not only uh, D&D players of like 30 years would be able to enjoy, but also newcomers that like in the last two years, D&D's gotten so popular, but it's kind of difficult to jump all the way in uh, and especially with like three hour shows or podcasts for, for some stuff. So we just wanted something that was easy and light for a, a new player or just someone that kind of wants to play Dungeons and Dragons and just thought about it where they can watch it and get it all in a 30 minute episode and, you know, laugh at all the same jokes. Those puppets are I think amazing. The, I the production value of this is incredible, Joven. Like you guys did an awesome job. Thank I you. love the puppets. I think the puppets are such a fun addition. And as you mentioned, like D&D shows have just blown up over the last Mm -hmm. couple of years. I think Mm -hmm. in large part to the popularity of the folks at Critical Role, right? I think they were an integral player in really bringing D&D They really opened up doors for a lot of people, uh, including us. So it's we're we're gonna be going for a couple weeks. It's it's not gonna be like an ongoing fifty-two week show. We we filmed it all. It's all now in post production. So I've been like checking my phone every now and then. It's like I've right, got a new cut for episode two, and uh, episode three's got puppets in it now. Great. Uh, it's it's been a lot. Uh, it's but it's fun. It's it's puppets. I it, it working with puppets is kind of like working with uh, with a cartoon, but you know you get a lot more of the physical comedy in there, which is one of my favorite aspects of it. How have you been handling the role of dungeon master? Because there's a lot of pressure to create stories <laughs> and to kind of keep everybody on the rails. Are you enjoying it? Do you usually play DM in your D&D games? I, I found that uh, because I'm kind of a big control freak, uh, who knew? Uh, I <laughs> like being the DM. Uh, but when you're DMing for a show, it's it's a lot different than, you know, when you're DMing and playing like an eight hour campaign on a Saturday with your friends. Uh, because, you know, you're trying to tell a specific story. You have point A and you got to get to point B over the course of six episodes. 
And so trying to guide the audience or guide the players to kind of keep them on track to make sure like they're still having a good time, making sure we have the right pacing. And, and that's a big part of the show is having good pacing. So like, you know, we get uh, a fight in every episode, but also they get a chance to like RP every episode and kind of like find their characters in a deeper way. So it, it's juggling like 10 different things in your head all at the same time and hoping, you know, you don't kill anyone because you don't know what to do with a cast member that isn't in the rest of the campaign. <laughs> That's a good point. It's interesting that you bring that up because we had the opportunity to work with one of your cast members, Lasercorn, David Moss. We shot oh, yeah. a and d episode for his channel, Lasercorn mm -hmm. on YouTube, which is going to be coming to his channel in the future. He's still in the editing process, but he was the dungeon master for the three of us playing, and it was only his second time DMing. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's intense. I, I can't imagine. Uh, how I, I gave him work. a rundown of tips. Did you guys get the haunted house? Was that was that one yours? No, no, no. we didn't get the haunted oh, house. Oh, you got the... Gotcha. We got uh, the uh, we got the evil ruins that we bypassed mm -hmm. actually. Yeah, we, we <laughs> ended up with the dragon. I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. For the campaign, uh, but yeah, DMing it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I I want to do it more often in like a casual sense, but you know this show's been taking up the, a lot of my life in a great way, but just it's taken up a lot of my life. Well, if you ever want a challenge, we have been known to go off track and get very sidetracked. <laughs> so if you want to try to wrangle us for some practice, like we're available. Uh, uh, the uh, Working with my friends for as long as I have, I've learned how to herd kittens uh, very well. So. Oh, yes. I can imagine the way things went off the rails when I left you guys to your own devices at Smosh. Oh, yeah, no, like, it, right, it wasn't goodbye, kids. ever. Good luck to you. It was, this person's over here. Mari's dancing in a corner. Lasercorn's modding a game. And you're like, I okay, let's try to film a video. I uh, do love, though, about this show that the mix of experience of the players is varied, right? So you got Brandon, who's mm -hmm. clearly played a lot of RPGs and done a lot of D&D uh, &D and improv. And then you have... You know, Lasercorn, who's a relatively new player, and Lisa had never played before, right? Lisa never played before. Uh, the one thing that they all have in common, actually, is they, they're really good at character work. Uh, Lisa Foyle's coming from all that, what um, was a big part of, of having her on. Shauna Malcolm has done a lot of work in traditional media, so she knows how to, like, grow a character uh, on, like, television. Brandon, in, with sketch comedy, I was just like, it's brilliant how much he brings to the table. And Lasercorn... Normally only can play one character, but he's always very funny. And uh, he's, he works. It's he a knows Riot Shield man. Yeah, right? It, and it's that voice from Riot Shield man all the way to Hatchet Hand. It's the same voice. It uh, is. So Riot Shield man is a character that Lasercorn created back in the early days of Clever Games. This was actually mm -hmm. right when Jovenshire had joined the Clever Games team. Um, when So Hinky and Lasercorn were like seeing all of this. <laughs> creation in video games happening around Call of Duty. And in Call of Duty at the time, there was a, a riot shield that you could play with. In. It was like the last time that that, uh, that class was really added in a fun way. He's yeah. been looking, looking to bring him back, but it gets harder every time. Yeah, it's true. But if you want to, I don't even know if it still exists because Defy I, turfed I, all the content. I, I don't think anything from Clever Games exists anymore. I have a couple episodes days. that I saved locally to use in like reels and stuff. But like when I discovered that Defy like essentially flipped the switch on all of 
that content, it broke me a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and now now it's just a life lesson. Like, if you work on the internet, just save your videos onto, like, a Download drive somewhere. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you think it'll be on YouTube forever. It won't. Not necessarily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But hopefully, uh, Stuff of Legends is on YouTube for a very long time. Uh, well, and, like, having it's the characters, on your channel. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not flipping a switch anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. uh, but to be able to work with 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 Dungeons and Dragons proper has been great because you know there's a huge monster, a uh, huge monster manual to choose from. So going through like official D and D creatures and be like, hmm, who do we want to turn into puppets? Yeah, uh, that must have been has fun. become. Oh, it was like pre-production on this was way too much fun. Were there any though that you were that you were like this might be too hard to make into a puppet? Like I don't know if we really want to go for that. Uh, like a beholder. Uh, <laughs> beholder was beholder was on the short list. Um, honestly, one of the uh, um, Shauna Malcolm's character, uh, <laughs> Ariola Borealis, nice. is a nice. dragonborn <laughs> barbarian, and I wanted to make sure that all of the characters had, like, I'm sorry, all the cast had a chance to kind of like put in their say so for what kind of design their puppet had, because I wanted them to feel as connected to these characters as they possibly could for like the overall character course, development. Yeah. And her one note was like, I want my dragon to have the biggest boobs that can be on a puppet. <laughs> I, I, noticed, so I, I noticed that in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I I'm scrolling to, here and trying to find it. Uh, I took that to uh, our puppet fabricator and I was like, how, how do we do this? And like trying to make a structure that didn't need a second person to kind of balance the <laughs> yeah. body at the same time. Because then there's also not a lot of room for torso. So like on camera, it was just like, her boobs and face, so it was, uh, it was a challenge. It was, it was a challenge, but we we made it work. And, and so yeah. good, yep, there they are. So yep. good. Yeah. And I love it when she gets shot with an arrow. It's like right in her cleavage. It's like right because in of course. Because it was the only place we could hit well, her. Well, that's like a, <laughs> a female armor, right? It's like it just covers yeah. the tits, and then everything else is exposed. And then, and like, how does that even work? I love it. So good. Yeah, but she's uh she's our tank of of the team, and she she does a lot of damage. Uh, Lisa's our mage where we had some homebrew stuff with her. Uh, Brandon was a lot of fun because when I was asking him about his character, he's, uh, I was like, what kind of character do you do you want? And he's like, I just, I want to have a fish. And I was like, I will make you a fish. And he's like, I want him to have crazy eyes. And so we we made uh, Slippy here for him. Oh my and, God, uh, so cute. So Easily my favorite puppet because he's got like the he's got like two crazy eyes at the same time. <laughs> the pupils are. Uh, did you keep all the puppets? Do you have a house full of puppets now? I have a house full of puppets, and my wife isn't a giant fan. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you just like grab one occasionally? You're like, what's for dinner? <laughs> uh, I'm I've downloaded TikTok to see like hmm, maybe there's something I can do with them on here. Yeah, hundred oh, percent uh, you can. Do you want to yeah. be a TikTok millionaire? There you yes. go. Uh, because apparently uh, pirate shanties are popular on TikTok and Lasercorn's character uh, is a pirate. Oh, so I've got a, go. uh, a one-handed pirate here that uh, might do some. There he is. He, he might have some uh, some sea shanties on TikTok. Are you going to try and braid your mustache eventually like this character? or? Uh, you know, my mustache is the only facial hair that will actually grow well on my face. So if I give it like one more year of pandemic time, I probably could braid it like uh, Hatchet Hand's beard. That'd be cool. Just kind of give the little, little twirl to it. But um, yeah, so we're, we, the first episode's now on uh, YouTube.com slash The Jovenshire. We're doing, uh, we've got a bunch of episodes with a bunch of cool Dungeons and Dragons monsters made into puppet form. Can so. you give like a brief plot overview? 
What are these characters? Uh, yeah, the what we've what we've established so far is that uh, in the town of Waterdeep, which D and D fans will know, it's a very popular town on the Sword Coast. There's been a series of kidnappings uh, in the town, and so four representatives from the different boroughs in the town uh, need to go out and find out who is kidnapping these people to try to stop it from happening anymore. And uh, they're going to have to travel around the town and find some people that they weren't expecting to see. Mm. Mm. Nice. Interesting. Uh, Intrigue. <laughs> so does the show follow a continuation of the campaign or is each episode kind of a standalone mini campaign? It's it's one entire campaign. Uh, so it's one overall story that we're telling. But I definitely pull a lot from how normal TV shows are structured, where each episode has its own beginning, middle, and end. And then you get your, your tidbit of like the overall arc. So every episode, they're learning more about the, the adventure, but while having to deal with other things that kind of get thrown at them. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. In episode two, they wind up going to a prisoner's carnival and have to uh, en- endure some very interesting circus-like <laughs> events that may or may not kill some of them. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. Mm. I want to see the puppets yeah. for that. For oh, yeah. yeah. Bloody <laughs> puppets. Carnival. Wait, so are there new puppets for every episode? Yes, we made so eleven. Cool. Yeah, we made eleven puppets in total. Um, and and yeah, there's some puppets that we made that are just in like one or two episodes, and then you know you got your main cast that go all the way across, and then some puppets just show up for a single episode. It's like, hi, I made this just for this one joke. All right, cool, so great, cool. moving on. Huh. That's so awesome. I I think that this is such an amazing project that you've been working on. And for people that aren't familiar, um, Joven has been working in YouTube since what, like 2008? Uh, 2008 was was my first uh, freelance job. Um, yeah, I, I was even on I was on the Guild really early on, working on like one of their DVDs uh, hmm. from for their bonus content. So I go that far back. Wow. The, the early guilt. days of YouTube. I really like yeah, that right? show. Uh, but you know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun because when you're sitting there at the table and like you're you're directing but also trying to like DM at the same time, it's a lot like being a YouTuber because I, I definitely it's been so much practice at it now because you're like trying to focus on one thing but at the same time thinking about how it looks and then someone's bringing up uh, a a a, a strategy that they want to implement in battle and you're like all right this is going to add 10 more minutes to the cut that i'm gonna have to try to trim down somehow all right well how do i balance this with this all while like keeping like different npcs and different voices coming for each different character so it's there's a lot of uh crossover a lot of crossover there i love that you basically just humble bragged yourself you're like i'm so smart Look at all the things that I'm able to juggle in my brain. You know, uh, and, and as, as Andrea, who's known me for such a long time, knows that I'm not nearly as good as I think or say that I am. It's, it, you'll see like me like BSing my way through a lot of situations in the show. If you ever see me look off camera, I'm looking at my producer like, I guess this is happening now. And then it's like, all right, cool. Here we go. Let's do this. I think that it's really fascinating kind of seeing your journey having been there kind of like in the early days and, you know, seeing how hard everybody was working. And I think like what a lot of people don't realize, like I know Simon made a fun joke about it being like a humble brag, but like I was there to see you guys working like super late nights for so many years in a row. And I think that that is a testament to what it takes to be a successful Mm -hmm. content creator on the internet, particularly on YouTube now when there is so much competition because when we were at Mahalo Video Games, I mean, 
gaming content specifically was just starting to take off on YouTube. Yeah. We were just kind of hitting that kind of golden era of YouTube content. And now there's like I, literally millions of content creators. I, I think at Mahalo, we were like the first, one of the first channels to be uploading HD gaming content <laughs> because like there, it just wasn't out there at the time. No one else was figuring out how to do it yet. Oh, um, nobody else wanted to fund it, right? Like, it yeah, was, it was very expensive. <laughs> so expensive to make. I mean, there was an army of like what twenty five editors, predators as uh, they call them now, producer editors. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think at our height there were twenty nine people in that bullpen all working on different videos. Uh, it was a different time of the internet. It was definitely uh, yeah, maybe a little spam involved, but you know. I mean, we but that's what everybody there. was doing, right? It was like yeah make as many videos as possible and get as many pieces Fight of ad sense across all of these different pieces. Yeah, the way that the SEO worked back then was very different than the way that YouTube algorithm little, works now. Yeah, little did we know that we were just going to jump from battling the Google algorithm to, you know, battling the YouTube algorithm <laughs> at the same time. So it's great. Ah, oh, yes. All of the algorithms competing against each other. Twitter has their own algorithm. Instagram has their own algorithm. TikTok has now, their own algorithm. I They're try not to, to like stress myself data. out with yes. it anymore. I'm just like, I'm going to create content that I think is really fun and just hopefully people watch a few episodes of it. Mm -hmm. No, I think that that's great, though. I, and I would love to talk to you a little bit about, you know, how you got to this point, right? So. So obviously we talked very briefly about, you know, the implosion of Defy Media, which led to you, a lot of you guys kind of moving out on your own. And most of you had actually kind of moved on from working mm -hmm. at Smosh Games before it really kind of like had its yeah, final I, like death rattle. My my last day was during the summer uh, before uh, it, it blew up in December and I was out like in May, May 1st. And you guys were working on your own stuff, but then you partnered up with some of your old Smosh Games colleagues to start New Element 6. And mm -hmm. then you guys kind of decided to shelve that project, right? Is, or is that still happening? Yeah. No, it's uh, it, a lot of it is also kind of on me for that one, because for the same reason that I, it was just my time to leave Smosh Games was because, you know, I, I knew I couldn't retire with with that. And uh like, I couldn't be 65 years old playing GTA 5, though. I don't think we'll get a GTA 6 before that. Uh, um, you never know. <laughs> but, uh, like, for me, like, I just wanted to make different content. And working with, with you know, Mari, Lasercorn, and Soinki especially, like, that was, like, the, the, the four of us that started, like, with Smosh Games in 2012. Like, we just are so natural together and so much fun. But... At the same time, I was looking at this. I was like, is the only reason I'm successful because I got picked up by Smosh? Or is the only reason people are watching my videos because, you know, Mari or Lasercorn are, are in them? So I really wanted to take on that challenge of, like, I know how to play this game. And I think that I have, like, a like the good instincts on w what to create and how to do it and how to run the business. So to try to find my own success and just be on my own. But you still have laser cord in the video. Well, because he's really funny. Because <laughs> I, I, I really like him. Okay. Yeah, like, dude is a space cadet at times, but he's funny doing it. He is. He's he's great. Um, David Moss is awesome. If you guys have never seen any of Laser Corn's content, um, he and Matt Sohinky Sohinky had started a channel back when we were at Clever Games called Toaster Ghost, which they were <laughs> running for a little while with uh, Pamela Horton and. Who toast or ghost? Toaster, toaster ghost. ghost. Toaster ghost. Like there's a ghost toaster that pops out of a ghost. toast. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Oh. 
Don't try to yeah, understand the, it. There's it was just really I was no yeah, no. reason if it to was it. or or a toaster. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that's right. Toaster, toaster goes, like a toaster. device yeah, you yeah, put bread yeah, into. Yeah, yeah. You've right. never seen like a haunted toaster? It's that. You know, I haven't. I can't say we that have I have. I don't own Simon. a toaster. We haven't so. lived. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and with what they were creating there was, I think, like an offshoot of like their brand of humor, like but now with their own kind of creative touch on it, and so that's that's what they wanted to do afterwards. Mari's gone off to be just like a rock star in the influencer world making her own like short films and stunt videos and you know uh, my thing right now is I, th- I think that with tabletop RPGs becoming more and more popular especially with the pandemic I think that there's there's a smarter way to tell stories for a broader audience and that's kind of like the problem I'm trying to solve right now is how to do that and you know in Stuff of Legends we use puppets to kind of keep attention and you know help tell the story and instead of watching like us just play D&D for 45 minutes, it makes a lot more sense when you see like, all right, it's a swing and a miss. All right, how about you? But now when you see like uh, a goblin like run up to the mage and swing and miss, you just, you know, <laughs> it's funnier and you, you keep that information for a little bit longer. Yeah, no, I think it's brilliant. I I really like it. I, I actually didn't know about that because like I have... I'm bad. I don't read the show notes beforehand. Like, just- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, you want to keep it off the cuff. Like, yeah, you know, I like, know about show. this show coming into this, and like, see, even just seeing this trailer, I was like, this looks super fun, and I would totally watch this. Like, yeah, I love uh, the puppets idea. Uh, my my favorite episode, hands down, is episode three because, again, like, I I think that you just see this arc with these with these <laughs> the squirrel characters. Sorry, that- the squirrel was so good. The squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> it is really fun to see the physical comedy played out in yes. a way, even if you know the actors themselves can't do it. Because yeah. the stuff you try uh, and do in D D is so off the wall, but like you're saying, to actually see it manifest as freaking puppets, it's brilliant. Yeah, and I don't control them at all creatively. I, I that's another reason why I wanted. Um, people who've never played D&D before because I wanted to know, like, let's see what they come up with. I don't want them to play within the rules of D&D. I want to play D&D within the confines (laughs) of their imagination. And I think that just added for so many situations that I wouldn't have expected. For example, like, we started the puppet design and fabrication of them uh, about a month, month and a half before we even sat down to play the game. So we developed the the characters with the cast, and then I send those notes off to the, the fabricator. And then while we're playing, Brandon Rogers with with Slippy, he decides, he's just like, all right, so I'm going to become nude and then rub my poisonous body on this goblin. (laughs) And again, like I'm here DMing, but my producer brain is like, Okay, well, now the goblin has to be able to get naked. I, I don't know how far we are in, in the production of this puppet yet. And so when you see his puppet nude, he, he's always a lot closer to the camera because, like, if you can see here, his clothing can come down to here, but his body ends way up <laughs> oh. here. So, it's smoke and uh, mirrors, smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yeah, it, so, but it, you just, you have to roll the punches. And I think that is what makes for a very good D&D show because it it allows a new viewer to see this game through the eyes of a new player and the things that you would naturally do. Like, we just kind of go in those directions. Has there been a is scene a- that's been, like, way too crazy that you're like, oh, shit, we can't do this? Or you're like, all right, we're going to make it happen. <laughs> um, there's definitely some moments in this series where I think I even call it out i think i called it out at the end of episode one where i was like um like i i 
we're doing this with puppets, so I have no clue how you're going to like kick this guy in the face and then sit on him. <laughs> but I like it. And so definitely feels like those a moments. Move. <laughs> yeah, like those moments just don't become in puppet form. And you know, some people wish that there it was just like all puppets, but some of my favorite moments in this series are actually just watching the players like fall in love with the game. So I can only take so much credit for this show. It it really is Dungeons and Dragons. It the game is really popular for a reason because it brings out this magic in people. It, it brings out this you know it's it's fantasy and it's fun and there's a reason why the game is popular and you see why it's popular when these four people s- to uh, sit down to play the game. So is it approachable for people who have heard about Dungeons and Dragons but don't know anything about it but are like, yo, my friend is super into D&D. I would like to learn about it because I we I was talking about this with some of our community members because Lucigen, who's the dungeon master that runs our What's Good Games campaign at PAX, um, you know, kind of put a de- put together a really easy, approachable campaign for us. But we were kind of having a chat uh, amongst ourselves with some of the other players about like what are some of the other shows out there where if you were going to show them to somebody who's interested in D and D but doesn't know how to play, and there was some debate amongst our group if Critical Role was approachable for an entry level person. And I said it wasn't approachable for me. I even went back to the very early. Critical Role yeah. episodes, and I still felt really lost. And I know they have a uh, companion series that explains a bunch of stuff more. So, would you say that Stuff of Legends is easy for people to understand, or is it pretty deep? Is it somewhere in the middle? Uh, my main goal with Stuff of Legends was to make sure that anyone could watch the first episode, understand how the game worked, and be able to laugh along with the jokes. And based on the comments that I've seen so far, I'm really proud of the fact that we hit that balance um, in like the pre-production of this, especially when we saw like the tabletop cuts kind of coming in. I was actually going to like my wife's friends. I was like, hey, do me a favor. Watch this. Tell me what you find is funny. Tell me where you felt lost. Tell me what didn't make sense. And I started to shape the show around their opinions. Um, but again, we still want to make sure that this is fun for D&D fans. And so there's a lot of deep cuts. The game is still Dungeons and Dragons. We modify a some of the rules just to keep the story going and keep things paced well. Um, but yes, anyone that is, you know, heard of the game or maybe they've never heard of Dungeons and Dragons. They're just a fan of puppets. They're like, I love puppet shows. You can watch this and laugh at all of the same jokes as, as someone that's been playing the game for 30 years. And that is what I'm the most proud of. Well, congratulations on the launch of Stuff of Legends. I think it looks phenomenal. And if you guys want to check it out, you can go to Jovenshire's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thejovenshire. We'll, of course, put that link in the show notes for you. So if you're listening on podcast, you're out, you know, in your car picking up gas or food or, you know, you're on your couch where you haven't left for the last 12 months. We get it. No worries. Uh, You can just click on that link and head on over. Um, And this is going to be exclusive to YouTube for at least the first season, right? Yeah, this this series was made uh, for YouTube. It's going to live on my channel. There's no paywall behind it or anything. We just wanted to make something that was very inclusive for because that's also a big part of, of like Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons goals to make sure that like you know everyone feels represented and, and can have a good time playing Dungeons and Dragons. So we wanted to make sure that this show was available to as many people as possible. There you go, free. It's a free show, everybody. <laughs> Requires literally zero of your dollars. Um, well, if people want to follow you and see what else you're up to besides Stuff of Legends, where can they do that? 
uh, across all social media. I am uh, at the Jovenshire. Um, sometimes I'll even jump on Twitch to kind of just break the fourth wall and just kind of catch up with 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 fans and, and kind of get a chance to talk to people and you know, have a reason to play more Magic. Um, and then yeah, on on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, just the Jovenshire. Well, friend, this has been fun. We definitely need to have you back once Mass Effect is out. So oh, we can. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, it comes out spoiler cast. It, the week of my birthday. Like, I, oh, that's my birthday exciting. now. That's my that's birthday, your birthday now. now, officially. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. Wait, that's the week of birthday. Not like we're going to be able to do anything too, else, right? but. Yeah, I'm oh. May 21st. Oh, it's the week of So I'm up before. Joe, Joe and Charles in the middle, and then Brittany's at the end. It's just the month long Mass Effect celebration. We're the whole now. month of May. So we've got the 21st, the 18th, and when's yours? Sixth. The sixth. Yep. So yeah, just the month of May. It's just, just all we're gonna be doing is Mass Effect. Perfect. Yep. Lots Sounds of virtual banging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. You're you're very right. You are. It's okay. Your wife can watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. This is actually. I'm, she's read the book. Like she read the books before I read the books, but she's never played the game. Uh-huh. Uh So I'm now hoping. Like I didn't want her to play the first Mass Effect. I knew just like you need the nostalgia goggles. So I'm gonna try to like convince her. I'm like that's gonna be my my Christmas pre- or birthday present. Like I don't need anything else. Just, just play just ten hours of this game. Just give it ten hours. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you'll fall in love. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show this week. We loved having you. The show looks great. And uh, we'll be sure to let you guys know once that laser corn episode goes live so you can see the antics of what happened. And if you need, you know, voices for season two, you just let us know. We, we, having puppet versions of the three of you, I can already imagine the greatness that it would be. So, you know. <laughs> We are volunteering. (laughs) 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 All right, everybody, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye.